0: You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headspace, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, A.J. Andrews of JaysRenacouch.com, and I've been teasing this for a while, and i know there are people out there who have been like why have hasn't this happened yet so let let me let me assure you this is finally happening after a a false start last year where we we did an interview and my recording software only recorded my half of the conversation which i mean y'all get that every day you don't need that that's not special um so, unfortunately, was not able to get it out last year. And the last time this gentleman was on the podcast, I wasn't the host. That was with previous host Sean Doyle. So, he is setting a record for longest time between appearances on the podcast. And, you know, when you get a couple of Nova Scotia kids together... It's, it's always going to be a little crazy. So we'll see how this goes. I have with me on the line, um, uh, a man I am fortunate to consider one of my best friends in the universe, uh, MLB.com, Blue Jays writer, Keegan Matheson is on the line. Keegan, thank you so much for, for taking the time and joining me and, I I know you're not gonna mock me on the weather like some other people have because I know how you handle Florida.
0: That's <laughs> no, my pleasure, AJ. Thank you for having me, and I I uh, I agree with that. I am I, I, I get a lot of heat down here, no pun intended, when I'm uh, talking about uh, being in Florida because I know that everybody is back in Canada in the snow. I very willingly would change places. I uh <laughs> I don't deal with the heat well. Uh, last year in spring training, uh, uh Luke Mayley had the famous line. I walked into the clubhouse okay. and uh, he said, "Hey Keegan, question for you." I said, "What's that?" <laughs> and he said, "How long do they get you get to swim to the ballpark today?" <laughs> I thought, "Oh. I'm not hiding it well. So it, <laughs> This is not my climate by any means, but uh no, it's a, it's a good time.
1: No. Nah. That's that's the main thing we miss about Luke Maley, the one liners he's got. Hope Pittsburgh's enjoying them. Um but yeah, I Nate Pearson I do want to get right into this because I know your time is, is very valuable. And I appreciate you sitting down and well, I assume you're sitting down. I I can't say, but just just going off the hunch. <laughs> um But yeah, obviously, as the MLB guy, you're down there. You get to see these guys every day. So I want to take this opportunity to go through what you've been able to see for the past, I don't know, two weeks of spring training. And just get some perspective on where these Blue Jays are heading into a 2020 season where third place is definitely on the table. (laughs) If anything else. So... One of the guys I actually want to start with and someone we've been talking about a lot this week is Dami Jansen, who, if if you were to make a list of Blue Jays who needed to have like that bounce back season, Jansen probably would be number one on that list. And I, I don't think I'm being facetious saying that. So far, he has delivered on that promise. He's shown a renewed power stroke, which is Lovely for those of us who drafted him in the 18th round of their draft, which I intend on taking full kudos on that later on in the season when I beat all those other podcast hosts. But yeah, what um, what changes did Danny make to to allow this this kind of performance early? And I know we're talking about spring training stuff, but what what has he been able to do that's allowed him to to kind of sit on like
0: this? And that's what's important is that he has done something. Every spring, we, we see players who show up and, and have a good performance, jump out, have a big spring. Unless they've actually changed something, it doesn't matter, and I don't care. <laughs> you, you get so much luck, such as sample size and spring training. So once a guy has actually made changes and adjusted, and that is leading to results, it's a little easier to quantify, and that's what Danny Jansen has done. And the, the hint at it, you know, earlier, maybe last week it was, uh, Charlie Montoyo asked him about Danny Jansen. He, he was proud of him because last year he had no routine offensively. This year he finally does. And the word routine is a boring word. It puts me to sleep. It's a buzzword. But when you dig a little deeper, uh, like Danny Jansen explained to me, it's really interesting, uh, I think. And he's the guy who was always focused on defense, and, and that worked. He was nominated Rutgers for a gold glove last seven. year. That's the goal. And uh, that really exceeded expectations. The Blue Jays were thrilled. But he was hitting two ten. It was a OPS around 640 642 Even for a catcher where you can kind of swallow that and be okay with it, you'd like a little better. And you know that's in there with Danny Jansen. So what he did this year was developed a routine, and really in the truest sense of it, that he does every day. And he explained this to me was uh, almost like he was trying to sell somebody on it because he really believed in it that much. He was saying over and over, I love that I have this routine. I love that I have to do it. No matter what, I love it, I love it, I love it. And it started with Ryan Barucki's dad, Ray Barucki, who was a, uh, made it to AAA, now he coaches hitting. And and this wasn't to do with mechanics, but it was just about getting him in a daily routine that is regular for him. A lot of us have that in our job. I write better in the morning. I prefer them when I'm fresh, and if I write in the morning every day, I feel like I write a bit better. We all have little routines that make our day or job easier. Now, for Danny, what he does now is he hits in a cage off of a tee, which he never did before. Some players like to hit in the cage. Some like taking batting practice. It depends on the guy. And he hits weighted balls as well to really focus on driving through. So that's what the, the routine kind of schedule looks like for him. And when you're in the cage, guys who like the cage, it's kind of a meditative thing. You go in there alone and just beat the crap out of some baseballs for 20 or 30 minutes and really think about it. Now, the actual mechanical change that he made and that he's focusing on was that he was drifting a bit. And I, I had to explain it and actually show it to me. They're drifting back and forth. But as the pitcher was winding up, Jansen was drift towards the hitter just slightly, instead of really tapping into his legs and launching for it. So now he's focusing on all of the movement coming from his legs, not kind of swaying his hips, and that's what gets you into power. It helps him be behind the baseball. And uh, hearing Jansen describe this again, it, very passionate about it. Um, you know, I, I've heard a hundred times guys tell me, "Yeah, new routine, I feel good, whatever," and then they go out and hit 190 and they're gone you know you see that every year but uh there's a i think a, a bit more of a reason to believe uh danny jansen and the the organization certainly does so i think that uh 18th round pick i, I mean catchers are a scarce commodity so if you're you're looking for that uh i don't know who qualifies as a sleeper or not i don't play fantasy baseball but i i think danny jansen is being undervalued uh, offensively right now, and I think he will surprise people like that.
1: I, I do agree with that. I, I think you can consider Jansen a sleeper. At least, at least I did. But um, what you what you're saying about him getting into routine, I think that's going. That's a really good point that's actually going to be really key for Jansen's growth. Look at last season, what really did him in was just the the terrible start he had. Like like March, April, May, he was batting like 160. And when you get into that kind of hole to start the season, it's a really tough climb to get out of. So do you think this routine... That Danny's established will will kind of help him level out because he's he's kind of important when he's hitting. The Blue Jays do a lot better last year. He actually hit two fifty three in Blue Jay wins and just one sixty four in their losses. Jansen's kind of a guy they need to to be able to produce a little little quicker this season. Do you think?
0: He really is. We talk so much about Vladdy and Bo and Biggio and Andes Guriel. Yada yada yada. Those guys will hit. Uh, A couple will struggle, a few will hit, we know that. But the difference between a good lineup and a great lineup isn't always the 2, 3, and 4. It's the 7, 8, and 9, the spots where a pitcher can rest or where you can put in a mid-reliever that you're not that confident in and still let them get through an inning. If Danny Jansen hits, and I think the same goes for Travis Shaw, that's a big variable, but if Danny Jansen hits, that really stretches out the lineup for the Blue Jays quite a bit. And you can have him down at 8 and 9, still producing a little bit and, and you know he's not going to hit 300 but if he can give you some home run power get on base you know we saw that even later in Russ Martin's career even though he wasn't doing much he was getting on base all the time and that's good enough if you're a good catcher so in his league this routine is going to normalize things and it won't matter so much day-to-day ups and downs uh, when you have a routine it's a good way to refresh if you don't have something that anchors you every day, and again, this is baseball, you know, if you don't have something that anchors you every day and, and makes something normal, then a bad day can turn into a bad week, into a bad month. But a, uh, having a routine or having a thing you're doing every day, that's a good opportunity or, or it's an opening for you to say, okay, snap my reset, let's start back at zero. You know, Whether you were on a high or a low, Getting back to zero every day, I think, is what separates really great baseball players. You know, when when they have a 10-game home run streak, who cares? They're 0 for 50, who cares? It's uh, getting back to normal every single day and, and staying consistent. Because in baseball, the best players aren't always the most talented. It's the most consistent. Everybody can go three for four. Everybody can hit a home run. It's about being consistent and doing it day to day and and adjusting. So I think this puts him in a much better place to do that.
1: Mm. And I know a lot of Blue Jays fans would love to see him in in a better place to do that, especially, you know, considering the potential he showed in in his rookie season with the Blue Jays. We'll be back with more from MLB.com's Keegan Matheson right after this message.
0: You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: So you mentioned Travis Shaw, and I do want to turn to that to that first base battle a little bit, because when they signed Travis Shaw in the offseason, I thought he's going to compete with Rowdy Tellez. He's going to be able to play second and third spell Cavan and and Vladdy Jr. in in the infield. Sounds like a great signing. But from talking to to Blue Jays Insiders, we were talking with Mike Wilner last week. He said Shaw was signed to be the starting first baseman and that Rowdy was going to really have to fight to keep his job. In in looking at what they've both done during the spring, I'm kind of wondering just how set in stone that is. Because I look at that and I think, why wouldn't you put the guy who has a more upside over over the guy who you you're asking to bounce back from like a negative war season in Milwaukee last season. Can you can you elaborate a little more on how that battle's shaking out?
0: Yeah, it's a big bet on Travis Shaw. I think that when a team signs a player like that and uh, you know obviously the the fan reaction is to look for reasons it will work on a smaller deal, you know. Big deals you look for reasons that might be bad, but small deals like that you look for my why it might work, and obviously it was Travis Shaw. That's 17 and 2018, where he was a great player in, in mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. Uh, you know, an over three wins above replacement each season, a fantastic addition to any team. But uh, a couple of numbers also, and that's you know four as in four million dollars for Travis Shaw, and one as in one option year remaining on Rowdy you know, Those are factors, team control, money matter. And, and Randy Telez's spot as well, being someone who's a little more the DH competition than first base, that gets so complicated because the Blue Jays plan on being a bit of a revolving door at DH. So Telez isn't just competing against Travis Shaw. He's competing against Joe Panic and Brandon Brewery and Alfred Fisher. Hernandez taking at-bats at the DH spot. How many off days does Vladdy need? It's you know, Frankly, it's something I've tried to write about a few times. Gotten a couple of paragraphs in and thought, man, you're not making any sense. This is <laughs> too, this is too tangled. We would wait a bit. So it, it's a it's a crowded picture there. But um, you know, spring training, tough start for Travis Shaw. I think hmm. started one for eleven with seven or eight strikeouts, uh, an RBI single today. But I really think he's the biggest variable in the lineup in terms of how bad he can be versus how good he can be. It's possible that Travis Shaw goes out has a 550 OPS and the Blue Jays need to make a tough decision it's also possible he goes out and has an 850 OPS and suddenly the Blue Jays have a really good lineup one through seven that would be big news for the Blue Jays Uh, you know not just early in the season but maybe around July 31st you know wink wink we'll see where that goes but uh, uh, a really big variable for the Blue Jays he's He's confident that he has turned the corner and, and fouling, but it's really going to be about results for him. You know, all about results, and I think he'll have pretty close to every day uh, reps at first base. He will play at third when Vladdy is having a day off or um, or DHing. Seeing him at third base really looks more comfortable than Vladdy here. There, you can tell he's a, a more natural third baseman. So I, I think that'll be part of the equation as well. Just uh, so many uh, pieces to, to this puzzle. But I think one one quiet spot is at least for now Shaw getting a, a really long first base.
1: Interesting, because yeah, like like you said, I'm I'm going through the numbers myself, and when I I did see that start Travis had spring training, I'm like, um, this this seems more akin to last season's Travis Shaw as opposed to the guy who's mayor of Ding Dong City hitting 30 home runs in a season, and <laughs> I know. I know I was joking like a week before, like, oh, Rowdy Telez had that big game against Philadelphia. He's, he's gonna be a superstar again. And I, I know that quickly that it was like Anthony Alfred. He had that three, three game, um three steal game against the Yankees and they're like, oh, he's so good. He's, and then he proceeded to strike out 10 of his next 12 at bats. So it, it is really about trying trying to manage those expectations in in spring as opposed to what you're actually going to see. That was my big worry with Shaw, just is, is the Occam's rating 19 is who he is now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a worry when you look at that because in terms of first base depth, yeah, the Blue Jays, or really most teams, don't have much. Top level first base prospects aren't the most common thing. A lot of first basemen are converted from other places. Um, you know, even long term on the Blue Jays, I think that their long term first baseman is either Vladdy or Lord Guriel. Long term, mm-hmm. I-, I think Guriel could eventually be pretty comfortable there. Even, but um, so many conversion projects. So the Blue Jays would have to get really creative if Shaw does not work out there. But uh, you know, like I said, he'll be given every opportunity. The Jays. Uh, you know, signed him to a, a major league deal for you know certainly a few dollars for a reason because they believe he can get back to that but it's a risk you know mm-hmm. it's the right type of team to be taking this risk uh, i don't think if you are the dodgers you're taking this risk by any means but the blue Jays, it makes some sense but uh I, i'm not as eager to write it in as an immediate bounce back uh, you know as some might be because we 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 get a an early narrative you know, of course and you know, I'm guilty of that. My entire life is narratives. That's what covering a team is. But uh, you need to see the uh, results. Uh, it, yeah. It's kind of a, a little bit, like I said, with Jansen. But I've, I've talked a little more in depth with Jansen than I have Shaw. So I want to be fair there. But mm. it's, um, you know, making the changes is step one. But then the, the results have to back it up mm. a, as well. At the end of the day, it, it's a results-driven game. For
1: sure. Um, so, being a Toronto Blue Jays podcast I know there's a bit of crossover with some other Toronto fan bases so I'm going to use a Raptors analogy here for a second given that his family has welcomed Capri into the world is Jonathan Davis ready for a Fred Van Vliet-like run of form that sees him steal the outfield job away from Anthony Alford and Derek and Teoscar Hernandez and lead the Blue Jays into a glorious new area where he just steals every base he can and can do no wrong?
0: <laughs> I mean, I'd love to say yes, because you'd be you'd be hard-pressed to find a uh, an athlete, a professional athlete, um, you know, who, who lights up a room like Jonathan Davis. Uh, and not just... a uh, and not just him, but what his teammates and coaches say about him. Uh, that is, uh, I hesitate very much to say that about anyone, because time and time again you say that or think that, and then all of a sudden, yikes. But uh, he's one of the very few who I, I, I happily say that about um, and, and who you hear that said about very often. Uh, you know, Charlie Montoyo getting Davis back in the lineup uh, just yesterday, on Wednesday, in Port Charlotte. So I believe we are in yeah. Ray's name. Uh, Charlie said that he might be their best defensive outfielder and I think you have to agree and mm. the Blue Jays right now when you look at those other five and I'm talking Guriel, Hernandez, Grichuk, Fisher and Alford that's a lot of guys who can play center field but there's a difference between being able to and doing it really really well. I think Jonathan Davis would be the most natural fit there but the issue of course is that he's he's not hitting enough and not an overall enough player right now to be a, a starter in that, but can't in and grab one of those depth jumps. Again, options matter. They matter quite a bit in a situation like this where you have some guys you want to keep in an Alford and a Fisher. But defense is really to improve, and especially with a couple of pitchers who, who do allow that ball to go in the air. If Davis can just hit a little bit, you know, you almost have to view him like a catcher, I think. If he is hitting whatever, if he's getting on base at a 330, 340 clip and stealing you a base, fantastic. There is a, you know, I, I've always thought there is a job for Jonathan Davis in the majors, and I, I'm sure I've said or thought in the past that if there was a 26th roster spot, he's who you want, and all of a sudden there is. And if he starts the year down in A Buffalo, I think he's a guy you see up and down quite a bit and he's a guy that you can plug in and do things like that with because he's not just a bat. You know, if, if you bring up a slugger from AAA and put them into a few games, maybe they go 0 for 12. That's easy. Mike Trout does that. Mm-hmm. But if you bring up a defender and a base runner like Davis, he can impact the game more regularly off the bench, and I think that's a, something to keep an eye on. Maybe not on March 26th against the Red Sox at Rogers Center. Maybe not right away but April and July and September, he could be a guy who's up and down four or five times and, and still have some real value.
1: That brings us to the end of this first half of our talk with Keegan Matheson of MLB.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Keegan Matheson. Cause he is that kind of big shot. He gets his own name on Twitter. Meanwhile, you can find me at a underscore J underscore Andrews on Twitter. The underscores are there because Twitter is dumb. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya, however you get podcasts. You can subscribe. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Follow the podcast at Locked On J's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also find the episodes there. So, for everyone at the Locked On Podcast Network and everyone at com, I'm AJ Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care.